Hello, my name is David Shulman. Welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. The practice of sending money home, or remittances, has emerged as a significant part of the global economy. The World Bank reports that remittances topped $400 billion last year, and for more than 60 countries, such payments make up at least 5% of their gross domestic product. Remittances can often be a boon for the families of immigrant workers, but Ralph Shami of the IMF's Middle East and Central Asia Department says this international flow of cash can be a drag on the economy back home. So when I send money home to my mom, I'm not sending money home for my mom in order for her to invest. I'm sending money for her to actually consume. And keep in mind, when you consume, you not only consume domestic goods, you consume foreign goods. So there's a lot of leakage. Dollars that come in, they leak out, okay? which basically the economy doesn't really necessarily benefit from. People that receive remittances could actually send their kids to school. Some of them can go to college. So that's also all a good thing. But a lot of the people that receive it and invest in education, that education is used only to help them actually leave the country. It's linked to this issue of brain drain. Do remittances actually enhance the brain drain because you get better education, better health, and usually the individual from the family that leaves is the one that the family believes has the best chance of surviving abroad and sending money home. So more of these remittances mean more tax revenue for the government, don't they? Surely that's got to help the country's economy. Absolutely. And this is something that's very important. When remittances come in, they fuel greater consumption or even investment. The tax base for the economy expands. And if the government has taxes on consumption and on trade or imports, in a sense, remittances create a fiscal space for the government that can benefit from it. The question is, what does the government do? There is work that would suggest that that space that's generated by remittances may actually lead to more corruption because the governments believe, well, you know, this is free money that's basically coming our way. You've got more money coming in. Yes. Which you would think would increase tax revenue. Yes. But you're saying that it can also feed corruption? Yes, because what's happening is revenue, tax revenue is going up for the government. It lowers the cost of government action and the government feels less compelled to explain what it's doing with that money. It's not only windfall to the household, it's a windfall to the government. And as a result, the government can choose to do good things with it, but can also choose to do other things with it. You know, it can fuel other kind of wasteful behavior on the side of the government. And does this create a dynamic where then money is not going so much to important social services and infrastructure? Exactly, because the government thinks, well, Heck, if your relatives can subsidize your education, why should I provide you with education? If the remittances from abroad can finance your purchases of better health care, why should the government provide health care? So what happens, it creates a moral hazard on the part of the government that can free ride on basically the provision of a public, what should be a public good. It's a double-edged moral hazard. The individual is aware that the government may not be providing these services, but feels less compelled to basically hold the government accountable to it because that individual is being insured by somebody from abroad. And the government on its side knows that the individuals are receiving those remittances, feels less obliged to provide those services that it would have had to if these remittances were not coming in. So as we look at this whole dynamic, how do you encourage productive social investments without taking away something that's been a boon to workers and their families? Indeed. 
So the issue then becomes remittances alleviate poverty, but at the same time, we want them to be a, a source of capital for development. We're trying to change their nature, in a sense, from alleviating poverty, creating a buffer against shocks, to making them a sort of like private capital. How do you do that? So somehow remittances could be channeled towards savings. Like, for example, recently the remittances are being transferred electronically through the cell phone because the banking system is not working very well. And so what happens is people have a balance somewhere, electronic balance, and they go around using that amount of money to purchase goods. But that means there's always a certain amount left. What that does is that right away you have money in the bank. So in a sense, you're creating this culture, moving away from a culture of consumption to a culture of savings. And perhaps the, by having money in, in the bank rather than directly into your pocket, then people would learn to save some of that amount, which would actually fuel investment. The $1 million question, if you want, is how do we change the nature of remittances from basically trying to help your family at home to becoming a source of capital for development, making it a growth story, not only a poverty story. Ralph Shami of the IMF's Middle East and Central Asia Department. And you can read more about his thoughts on the impact of remittances in September's issue of Finance and Development magazine, which is at www.imf.org slash F and D. To hear more podcasts from the International Monetary Fund, log on to www.soundcloud.com slash IMF-podcasts.